And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Let's begin a Tuesday. Gary, how are you? Yeah, I don't know where to start. Yeah. You've got so many stories out there. No suspect yet in the White House cocaine probe. Still open and active. We'll get to uh, that. David Weiss speaks. UAW is ticked off at uh, the Biden administration and Democrats, but they still don't get it right. But at least the unions are finally looking at Democrats and saying, we're getting screwed here. (laughs) You think? Uh, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, the story of the Sixth Circuit allowing the Tennessee ban on uh, on uh, transgender surgery for minors to uh, go into uh, uh, effect. Republicans roll out a national voting um, uh, law. I mean, there's just so much going on. Did I say Weiss speaks? Weiss. Mm. Yeah, David Weiss also spoke yesterday. The seventh grandchild. <laughs> I mean, that, that, oh, that's a thing now, isn't it? It really is. I mean, it's just uh, it could be a movie. Yeah. The seventh grandchild coming to a theater near you, but I guess the but one th- not near the Biden White House. Well, you know the the, <laughs> the, the one thing that got me yesterday is just you know, how how I just got the feeling when I you know when I'm going about my day yesterday and I was busy doing a ton of things and so you're just saying oh okay this whole story here on Biden getting angry you know and and I saw you know the conservative media was you know jumping on it and. Stating, you know, see, he's just, you know, he's an angry guy. He's an angry guy. And I'm like, wait a minute. I Let me read the Axios article. The Axios article actually, I think, was trying to make the point. Maybe I'm the only one that feels this way. But I looked at it and it said, in public, President Biden likes to whisper to make a point in private. He's prone to yelling. Mm-hmm. Biden has such a quick trigger temper that some aides try to avoid meeting with him alone. Some uh, take a colleague almost as a shield against a solo blast. The president says things like, you know, <laughs> GD, how the F don't you know this? Don't F and BS me. Get the F out of here, according to current and former Biden aides. What matters? Why it matters. This is how Axios writes it. Uh-huh. Why it matters. 
because I can't figure it out. Uh, the private eruptions paint a more complicated picture of Biden as a manager and president than his carefully cultivated image as a kindly uncle who loves <laughs> aviator glasses and, and ice, ice cream. And ice cream. Yeah. Some Biden aides think the president would be better off occasionally displaying his temper in public as a way uh, to take away voter concerns that the 80-year-old president is disengaged and too old for his uh, 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 office. And then they, they get into examples here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and please, please, more public displays. I want to see him of, blowing up of anger. Yeah, I, I, I know. Well, this, if this, this is who he is, and this is what the left wants to see and thinks it will benefit him, let's go. Right, and then it says, Brandon, he grill, he he'll grill aides on topics until it's clear they don't know the answer to a question. A routine that some see as meticulous, and others call stump the chump or stump the dummy. Being yelled at by the president has become an internal initiation ceremony in this White House. Aides say if Biden doesn't yell at you, it could be a sign he doesn't respect you. (laughs) 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 Ted Kaufman, Biden's longtime chief of staff, when the future president represented Delaware in the Senate, told Axios that Biden's process is policy driven and that has made him a strong executive. If there is something that's not in a brief, in the brief, he's going to find it. It's not to embarrass people. It's because he wants to get the right decision. Most people who have worked for him like the fact that he challenges them and gets them to a better decision. Some Biden aides argue the president rages uh, uh, reflect his high expectations of his staff. So this whole thing, and, you know, the Republicans were pounding on it yesterday. Uh, he's just an angry guy. No, that's not. The Axios article is saying he's angry because he knows how to do the right thing and his staff does not live up to his high expectations and his critical thinking analysis of all the issues of today. So this is justifiable rage. It's not the rage or anger of somebody whose cognitive abilities are going down. Uh-huh. They're trying to take this entire thing and take one of his worst character traits and make it a positive. Yeah, they think it's strength. Yep. Then please, let's see it every day. Please. Yeah. Go ahead. Come on. Let's go, Brandon. And I would ask uh, I, I would ask uh, the, the people quoted in his staff, if he's angry, well, then why won't he defend what he believes in public? If he is angry and this incredible critical thinker who is screaming at his staff because his staff just doesn't get the policy, doesn't promote the policy decisions and doesn't get the incredible critical thinking policy decisions that he has in his mind, then why won't he answer a damn question from the media? If he's that confident and he will grill his Democrat staff, why won't he go after the press for being unfair to him? Why does he walk away every time if he's this incredible critical thinker that if he was just allowed to get angrier in public, (laughs) that then we would all understand, number one, how great the economy is. By the way, we do have a story coming up on that in a little bit. I believe it was Wall Street Journal who said, well, Biden talks about the great economy. Well, where is the economy doing great? Red states. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 
We'll go through their analysis of that. I saw up. more of that over the weekend, over the uh, vacation break, about more of the blue states losing people to the red states. People moving to these red states because the economy's growing, because lower taxes, because a better, a much uh, lower cost of living. You're making more and you're spending less. Imagine that. Because the cost of government doesn't eat you alive. Uh. Come on. Let it out. Let it out, Joe. Tell us how you really feel. If not, you're weak. Some Biden aides argue the president rages reflect the his high expectations for his staff. Speaking Biden is a particular skill. <laughs> Speaking Biden. I have, I have a feeling the way that they wrote it is not how I just took that. Mm-hmm. It can take years to learn to navigate his moodiness and anticipate what information he's going to ask in a briefing. Uh-huh. That's because his cognitive decline is obvious. And it's also because he's a wholly dishonest person. Nobody knows, including him, what he really thinks. Listen to this one. This this is excellent propaganda. Some administration officials, many of whom went to elite schools, struggle with Biden's demand to ditch. Went to elite schools (laughs) and still have student loans. Thanks to his ineptness. (laughs) Some administration officials, many of whom went to elite schools, struggle with Biden's demand to ditch wonky acronym filled language and brief him as if they were talking to a close family member who isn't in the D.C. bubble. He's a regular guy trying to solve the problems with all these elite wonky people around him. He is the one that has the cognitive and critical thinking ability to put things in plain sense, yet he won't talk to any reporters who aren't extremely friendly. Ditch wonky. That sounds like a really bad 50s sitcom. Biden's defenders acknowledge he can be tough, but they also say he can be more generous and compassionate than many powerful politicians and make them feel like family. Well, except for (laughs) granddaughters. Well, Uh, wait a minute. Are we saying they're all getting paid, too? (laughs) (laughs) I want to see their bank accounts. Oh, man, I'm just telling you, I mean, it's just a... Uh, Make them feel like family. So so the Axios article was not critical of no, him no, no, no. at all. And, this and that's is, not, thing this that is I, not critical. The, the headline that I saw yesterday morning made it seem like even Axios recognizes he's got a temper problem. That's yeah. not, that's not no. the theme. No. That's not the feel of this article no. at all. They're building it as his core strength. Right. That he should promote... More often. Yes. That we're not seeing the real Biden every day. Right. Well, because he won't do any interviews. Exactly. He won't take any tough questions. Right. He's not willing to have his incredible, critical thinking, common sense, common man opinions. He's not willing to put them up for cross-examination. Why? Because he's clueless. That's why. Yeah. That's the real reason. And he's a liar. Yeah. Pathological Tell me what liar. he really thinks. It's just, you know, it's, if you're having to go this far, 
You're smoking a lot of weed over there at Axios. Good weed. But I mean, if you're going to live in this delusional state, go ahead. Go ahead. Because even the even the headline sounds like it's going to be critical. Yeah. Old Yeller, Biden's yeah, right. private fury. <laughs> well, no, it's it's uh, <laughs> old Yeller. Okay, Yeller. I'm not going to get into anything. A couple of things just went into my mind. I'm not going to go there yeah. uh, with Old Yeller, uh, but to Biden's private fury. But mm-hmm. no, what the article's saying is it's not saying that he's lost it and angry like you would view because that's the way that that before I read the article, just seeing how it was that this was being presented was that his cognitive abilities and 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 maybe the the you know possible dementia that people talk about mm-hmm. that he may that that he may have, as you know, people get angry. You and I both yeah. have experienced that. Mm-hmm. They become, you know, to a person who is, you know, is who does not have uh dementia they become completely and totally angry and unreasonable and paranoid and everything else. I thought that's where this article was going. I'm like, oh, okay, is Axios coming down? Is this is this now the liberal media trying to go, okay, it's time mm-hmm. to move on from this guy? Right. And when I read the article, I'm like, everybody's sort of, I don't think a lot of people read the article. They, they might have seen the headline but didn't read the article, which is saying, oh, yeah. he gets angry, but it's justifiable anger because he is such a policy-driven critical thinking person out there and he demands excellence from everyone right which you is don't the... know because you didn't go to an elite school oh. <laughs> which <laughs> which is just they went to elite schools um, um, yeah but but that but that whole point was <laughs> they went to elite schools and he took them down a peg uh-huh. that he they need to talk in more you know common sense uh-huh. ways uh-huh. that everybody can understand yeah yeah. Whether it's a Joe can understand. Yeah. Joe is down to earth. Just amazing. He didn't go to no elite school, Jack. Get off your elite school overpriced horse. <laughs> Jack. He got so angry at them, he said, well, we may not give loan forgiveness to the elite schools. Well, you know, here's the thing. This is not a secret. In 2020, he was screaming in a guy's face when he made a campaign stop. He wasn't arguing or debating. He was screaming in the guy's face. We've seen Joe lose it. Mm -hmm. This is not a secret. That was the other thing, too, that came out of it, and it was like, Oh, secretly behind. It's not a secret. <laughs> I mean, this it's it, it's like they're trying to to reshape him all over again. And it makes me wonder over there at Axios if they just believe it's so far gone, he would lose to anybody and everybody, even Chris Christie. Uh. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I just, uh, it, it was just one of those days when you wake up, you go through the day, and you're like, all right, Axios actually wrote this article, and you know, just the way it was being, yeah, uh, you know, right. being promoted. Yeah. And I yeah. went, 
let me read this here. And I went, well, that's not what Axios is really saying. No. They're saying he's got this temper, and but it's because it's strength. because of his search for excellence and right. his frustration. Right. Yeah. That's why he goes out and says, yeah. they told me not to take any questions. Right. Yeah. No, if if he's if he's angry, it's because he doesn't have a clue as to what's going on. And he's becoming frustrated like most liberals do when their policies don't work. Yeah. Like um, he was uh, with the, the king. All of a sudden there was a presentation of arms and, and he's losing it, doesn't know which direction to go. I'm sure everybody's seen the video. There's really no audio of the video because nothing is being said. And he turns over to King Charles. He's he's changing. He's like, what's going on here? Then King Charles has, has to actually grab him by the hand and lead him away. Show him which direction to go in. This happens on pretty much every foreign trip to some extent. He's demonstrated that over and over again, that he just does not have the ability to travel. His cognitive decline is real, and let's stop ignoring it, Axios. 866-90-RED-EYE. On a hot summer day, the last thing you want to feel is a blast of warm air when you turn on your air conditioning. A malfunctioning AC system will leave you uncomfortably shifting in your seat, not to mention it can affect the safety and performance of your entire vehicle and your productivity. Keep your AC system running smooth and your deliveries on schedule this summer with the following maintenance tip. Make sure the condenser on the front of your cab is clean and double check that your compressor belt is tight and in good condition. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, that just irked me yesterday just a little bit. So, uh, The other thing is when the Secret Service came out and said, no suspect yet in the White House cocaine probe. It's still open and active. So you're telling me after eight days they don't have a suspect? Yeah, you can't narrow it down? I don't buy it. Not that hard. It isn't that hard. Because what you're saying is there's still a security risk. Yeah. That somebody can sneak it in. Right. Because they did once. If you don't know who did it, then you don't know that they're not trying it again. And it's a white powder. Everybody should be concerned. Right. We're talking about the damn White House. Yeah. I mean, it's just... You have to assume... and, And there seems to be no concern from the administration at all about it. You have to you have to be you have to assume for the sake of the safety of the president. Yeah, that somebody right. could be compromised. Yes. Besides Joe, that's the whole point <laughs> of the Secret Service. Yes. And it's like nobody's concerned. So, uh, we don't know. We don't. It's There's like the time the guy hopped the fence during the Obama years remember? and got all the way inside the White House. Yeah. Well, we don't we don't know how it happened. We, Nobody was watching. He's the president of the United States. You've got one job. One. Keep him safe. Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. That story, because they, you know, they, in Great Britain, that story seemed to die yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, let's wait. And I didn't see anything until I woke up. No, I thought, to come I, into the- I think because of the NATO summit, they're going to just try and push it to the back. back yeah. But the media is waiting for answers. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. On your smart speaker, say, 
play Red Eye Radio. And if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, one of the other weird things from the last couple of days, and, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this uh, off the air, but not uh, on the air, is the the movie out, Sound of Freedom. And, yeah. And I'm reading here, The Daily Wire has it. Man who inspired Sound of Freedom fires back at critics. It's kind of sick. The man whose story inspired Sound of Freedom is pushing back against critics and the media who are trying to hit the film, or trying to... Uh, or, trying to take the, the hit film and somehow related to the QAnon movement. Uh, Tim Ballard, portrayed by actor Jim Caviezel in the movie as a former government, uh, government agent who left his job to save one girl from sex traffickers in Colombia and ended up saving scores more children, told Fox News on Monday. There's no justification to accuse a movie of being steeped in conspiracy theories associated with uh, QAnon. Uh, I can't explain and neither can they. Ballard said, every show I've seen, they like to throw that word out. They make zero connection to the actual story. It's very difficult to make a connection when the story is based on a true story. Uh, Tim Ballard uh, shreds CNN for slandering the sound of freedom as a QAnon film. It's embarrassing and simply grotesque for this guy who knows nothing to start throwing out those terms and connecting it to the real story. Uh, Ballard asked, where is the QAnon doctrine being spewed in the film and the script and argued that he would know best because he was there for these events and they can, can be confirmed by others. This is just some other agenda. It's a sick agenda. When when I when I've seen the response of the the media, and by the way, the film itself is getting extremely high ratings from people that go to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have I have not seen it yet, but it it's to the point where I really think the left doesn't know where to go anymore. They're just striking out. Well, it seemed there was this weird tone Monday morning, and maybe it maybe it, it also was over the weekend and I didn't notice it. But Monday morning there seemed to be this tone and as the stories came out and the, the whole thing about QAnon I I looked at it and and just thought to myself how far is the far left willing to go the nature of this film and the subject matter it's all about saving children and there are deep religious undertones throughout the movie if you've seen any just clips that are out there uh, there's one that's um, it's it's a a preview clip that's uh, about 40 seconds long with Jim Caviezel, basically talking to another man, another character in the movie, and and talking about how important the mission is, what they're trying to do. That these are God's children, and I thought to myself, it is the opposite of what the far left has been doing in recent months and years. Quite the opposite. That they're looking to teach sexualized content to children. They are fighting. I saw another story today from NBC News. Parents are going to other states so that they can get gender-affirming care for their children. If that includes mutilation surgery, those people belong in prison. 
full stop. I, and, you know, I I sit back and, and I think it's not unfair to sit there and say, does the left actually believe in the abuse of children by their response to this movie? Right. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what and, I was getting. And, I thought and, yeah, it, it, it seems to be going the same direction as the far left agenda. Yeah. And, and I want to be wrong about that. I want to be wrong about that. Someone wrote today, uh, and I don't follow the person. Somebody retweeted it. Uh, not everyone on the left it believes in grooming. Not everyone on the right is a Nazi and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't need the kumbaya stuff. I get it. I already know that. And anybody that doesn't believe that, you're not going to get to the, you're not going to convince them otherwise. That's not something, that's, to me, that's not part of a useful conversation because there is some very heavy lifting to be done if we're going to stop this kind of abuse of children. And when it came out Monday, you know, this story hit and, and it just seemed to, and again, maybe, maybe it happened over the weekend. Maybe there's been, you, you know, because it was during our vacation that it was hitting that, right, that, that right. these movies, that the movie uh, was doing very well in fewer theaters than the new uh, 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 movie with, with Harrison Ford. <laughs> you know, and... Whatever that movie is. Yeah, whatever. The <laughs> Raiders of the something. Which is fine. You know, for those people that like that movie, that it's fine. It's not a competition. It's just a comparison of a movie that really got only grassroots type support. And we've seen that before. In fact, there was a lot of grassroots report uh, uh, support for uh, probably the. In fact, I, I won't say probably. It is the biggest movie Jim Caviezel has ever starred in, and that's The Passion of the Christ. That one went to hundreds of millions of dollars earned because there was great support from a a a, a grassroots uh movement that kept going for a reason. But the left has to lose their ever-loving mind when there is anything that is, number one, religious-based, and number two, seemingly, and again, I want to be wrong about this, an effort to bring attention to these horrific situations involving children. This movie deserves to see the light of day over and over again. It deserves to have everybody's attention because the issue deserves that attention because the children deserve that attention. This is not something and, that is, and did that you, is, that you know, the, 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 the attempt to tie it to QAnon I just don't get it. It's it's it must be the the uh, far vast right wing conspiracy all over again 
if you're doing something in the name of God. Did you also get the impression, I mean, and this is what bothered me the most, that, well, you know, this this type of, uh, you know, child trafficking, you're, you're over, by putting this film out, you're over-exaggerating the problem. Yeah. Did you no, get, no, I'm, no, oh, no, good, no, I'm glad, was, because no, I, was, I got it was that like, it was, the last it was couple like of days. It was like yeah. they were saying it was hype. Right. If anything... There should have been a number of movies already made. I'm so happy they made this one. But it there there needs to be even greater numbers of individuals that are talking about it and concerned about it so they will take action. You know, I was when I was talking to my father on vacation and he just doesn't, you know, at his age he just doesn't pay attention to the news as much as he used to. Yeah. And when I told him that there are you know, basically that the that the uh, border patrol came out and said in the government figure show, eighty thousand. You know, kids coming into the United States. Yeah, that they don't know where they are. And my father said, "Well, that's not possible. That would be a story from now until the end of." I go, "Dad, it's no it, that that yeah, was that's yeah. the story." Yeah, and no, the media, if it was, if that had come out during. You know, the Trump administration would be the only story that exists out there. But no, that story came out. They had congressional hearings, 80,000. And it's like it was out there and then it's gone as if it's not even a big story anymore. Right. And you're just like, what the hell's going on? And so I'm I'm so glad I could tell by your passion because we hadn't talked about this at all. I mean, we talked just a little bit about you wanting to go see the movie and I want to go see the movie. But you had just told me yesterday, yeah, you want to go see it. And so do I, but I'm just glad that your passion came out, that I was obvious when I said, did you get the impression that they're trying to say that this movie overhypes the problem yeah. of, yeah. of, of uh, you know, child trafficking? Yeah. And, and it's, I, I, and now it's not just the relation to this, it's the acceptance of child mutilation it, you know, and and calling it you know a gender transition care or whatever yeah. they they wish to yeah. to to call it, and talking right. about the children's rights are being taken away, which is so perverted. And I don't believe all Democrats believe in it. Yeah, but every I don't. but every single Democrat in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, except for Joe Manchin, believes in it. Right. Every single one of them. Yes, so with the exception of his state, then I have to believe their constituents believe it. Otherwise, there should have been outrage for your representatives voting that way. Right. And and we're not, this isn't hyperbole. They voted on it. What was it, two weeks ago? Not last last week we were on vacation. It was a couple weeks The week before they voted on it, the only one that didn't vote for it was Manchin. Right. This has to stop because I don't believe I truly don't believe that the majority of Democrats think this and believe in this. The voter. The voter, the rank and file. But if your representatives did it and you said nothing about it, then you're allowing it to happen, and how could you? I don't care if you never vote GOP. I'm not trying to convert you. This issue stands on its own and is paramount. And either you see it or you're allowing it to happen.
Because I don't want to hear, well, I didn't know. There's no way you couldn't know. The Democrats keep telling you it's what they're for. They're promoting it, and I've said it next summer in about a year on the convention stage in Chicago. I fully expect it to be during prime time center stage. 86690 Red Eye. Lines open for your calls. 86690 Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. Friday Radio, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And I was thinking yesterday, this this with the radical transgender movement out there and the misogyny of it, and uh, you saw the thing that Megan uh, Rapino, who's, I guess, going to retire from, I thought she was already retired, but apparently yeah. she's, yeah, got, too. she's yeah. putting in another, she's doing a Michael Jordan thing, maybe. Uh, she's retiring uh, uh, again, but uh, that was news last week when we were out, and then you know she came out yesterday and said that you know trans women are real women. Do you think there's, because I look at that and go, is that self-misogyny? Do you think that there are women out there that be, that actually wish to be men? Yeah, I don't know. I, that's a thought that just went through my head. I guess, I'm not, I'm, I'm not yeah. asking for a definitive answer mm-hmm. because I don't have a definitive answer for it. But we all know it's a load of manure. Why would she say that? Yeah, Why would right. somebody actually say that? Why would why would a woman, uh, well, who who in 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 many corners, mm-hmm. you know, became the symbol for women? Yeah, say that men should play women's sports. Well, and I, and I, I'm just trying to get into the psychology of people because and it could be different for everybody. But because when you're on your way out the door, the next move is to be the champ, the professional champion for a cause. Now she was going to be that anyway, but that's that was kind of my thought on it. Well, when you're retired, you can say a lot of things that you couldn't say when you were playing because you weren't at risk for losing your spot on the team to a man. What about the other players? How do they feel? Let's take, I wish we could, we won't get it, but I wish we could take a poll. With players, how do they feel about it? Should, if a man says, I'm a woman, and that's the only qualification, should he be able to play on your team? I would ask it differently. Mm. Would you be okay if they played for your team and took your spot? Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Right. Because they're at risk of losing their spot. Yeah. The tryouts would be different. Much different. And we all know that. So... When you're on your way out the door and you're retiring, I expect somebody to just, oh, I believe this, I believe that. Everybody get get along. I don't care. Blah, 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 blah. When it means something and you could lose your spot your on spot, the team, right. I wonder how you really feel. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. 
Visit HowesProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 866 90 Red Eye. Good morning and welcome. He is Eric Carley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for being here. All right. Uh, just looking at a couple of things here. Um, I thought this was really interesting. The states in America where incomes grow faster. Mm. New federal data shows a striking divergence between earnings growth in GOP-led states and then and progressive states. President Biden will never admit it, but he has Republican-led states to thank for the resilient U.S. economy and labor market. Wall Street Journal editorial board mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And as I've stated before, many times the Wall Street Journal editorial page uh, brings up news that nobody else is bringing up. Witness how an earnings surge in right-leaning states is helping compensate for sluggish growth in progressive ones. New state personal income data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Okay, now that's the Treasury Department, I believe. Highlights how aggregate worker and proprietor earnings in red states grew significantly more in the last year than in the blue states. The disparity owes to GOP-led states adding more jobs, including higher-paying industries like tech and finance, along with faster-growing wages. Earnings rose 5.4% on average between the first quarters of 2022 and 2023, but much less New York in New York, 2.6%, Indiana, 2.6%, California, 2.9%. Connecticut, 3.4%. Rhode Island, 3.6%. Maryland, 4%. New Jersey, 4.3%. Oregon, 4.5%. Illinois, 4.6%. Apart from Indiana, all those states are run by Democrats, and most have been for years. They boast high taxes and a high cost of living, which, along with the COVID lockdown, spurred increased out-migration during the pandemic. Meanwhile, earnings in the same period surged in North Dakota, 9.7%, New Mexico, 9.6%, Nevada, 9.1%, Florida, 9.1%, Nebraska, 8.6%, Hawaii, 8%, South Carolina, 8%, Alaska, 7.9%, and Texas, 7.7%. Now, understand, those are percentages. Uh, I would think by looking at the states, those states that did the best by 
by ranking, you know, because they're looking at the, the, the population and its percentage, would be Florida and Texas. Hmm. How to explain this? California suffered from tech layoffs. Hawaii, Florida, and Nevada benefited from uh, a tourism resurgence after COVID's Omicron wave ebbed. Higher oil and gas prices and production boosted earnings in New Mexico, North Dakota, and Alaska, though less so in Texas, which is a, which has a more diverse economy. States with higher earnings growth also tend to have lower tax rates as well. As fast-growing populations, considering neighboring Utah, 7.2% in Colorado, 4.9%, which have similar economies but diverging political climates as Colorado becomes more like California. Could that be affecting its earning growth? Progressive states have sought to shower subsidies on favored industries such as green energy, yet earnings in Texas and Florida grew faster across the board than in New York and California, including in information manufacturing, construction, retail, finance, professional, scientific, and technical services. And they've got the the charts there. Manufacturing earnings grew 11.1% in in Texas, 8.7% in Florida, versus 5.5% in New York and 2.5% in California. While information earnings declined 1.5% 1.5% in New York, and declined 9% in California. They grew 6.7% in Florida, 9.9% in Texas. Construction earnings grew five times faster in Florida, 10.1%, and Texas, 11.7%, than in New York, 1.7%, and California, 1.8%. Population growth in Sunbelt states such as Florida and Texas continue to fuel housing construction despite rising interest rates. Easier permitting makes it less expensive to build, resulting in more affordable housing. Wages have also been growing faster in general in GOP-led states, perhaps owing to tighter labor markets. Uh, average privately uh, private hourly earnings between March 22 and March 23 Outpaced inflation in Texas, 6%, Florida, 6.4%, but not in Illinois, 1.4%, New York, 2.7%, and California, 3.2%. It means that real wages in those blue states declined by 2 to 3%. It's no surprise that more Americans are moving to states where wages are growing faster and their earnings go further. Maybe one reason the U.S. economy continues to chug along is... Because the rising tide in states like Florida and Texas is lifting all boats. Mm. Really interesting. Now, a reporter should ask that question. Treasury Department has come out with it. You see that the economy is actually growing in the Republican states. That's where the big boost really are in the economy, Mr. President. Well, he won't answer the question. Kareem Jean-Pierre, could you possibly answer that one? Why is California growing so slowly? Why is New York growing so slowly? Why is Texas booming? Why is Florida booming? Why is that? And it's, if you ask the people that are leaving those states and going to the states that are growing, you get the very clear and very simple answer. It comes down to the cost of government. 
it comes down to the fact that in those states in recent years, they've given up on the words law and order. They've given up on, on, on families being safe. And it's not just people moving. Corporations are saying it. We can't afford to stay in these areas. Our employees don't feel safe. And if our employees don't feel safe, we don't have any because nobody wants to come to work. So we got to go. And it costs them a lot of money to shut those stores down. That's not an easy decision. You don't just turn a light switch off. Those companies would love to stay and have their retail establishments in those neighborhoods thriving like they did before. But you have this insane policy of defund the police that leads to end bail reform, that leads to higher crime. You know, it's interesting because you and I follow a lot of uh, stand-up comedians. And what, what I've noticed here lately is on their podcasts, them talking about leading California. And there are some that won't say it for the direct reason, but they have still left. They will leave, uh, you know, because back in the day for them, you had to, and it's this way with media too. Uh, Gary, you know this, you've lived in like 1,900 different towns. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in the media, you often have to uh, jump around and, and, and go to the big cities. You have to go, you know, if you're, if you're looking to make a living at it in radio especially, then you're going to have to go where the earnings are higher. And that used to mean going to large cities, uh, still does for some. But for stand-up, you had to go and do the clubs, and you had to go to New York, Chicago, L.A. You had to go to those cities. Now you see a lot of comedians that are based in other areas. They're based in Nashville. They're based in Austin. They're based in other cities because they realize, look, I can travel from anywhere. I don't have to do the clubs there. The club scene in the region around Nashville, I don't know about Nashville uh, proper. I know that they have Zanies and and a number of uh, uh, outlets where you can actually work locally if you want to do that. But but the club scene in New York is, is you know, for comedy is – is uh, undeniable. Well, then you start looking at, all right, what has changed? More clubs popping up, but also when that opportunity presents, it gives those comedians, just like anybody in any work field, in any career, gives them more choices. And listening to so many of them say, and there are a number of them that have said, I want to be in a place where even if I don't carry a gun, I know that I can make that choice for my family if I feel it's the right thing to do. I talked to a, a young guy a couple of weeks ago. It was just days before our election, our, our election, <laughs> our vacation. We elected to go on vacation. <laughs> and he was telling me, he said, you know, I didn't 
always consider that. But now, he said, after living in big cities, I know how important it is to defend myself. And I'm grateful for states that have that policy. And it was interesting because he said that to me unsolicitedly. It was not actually part of the conversation. He kind of worked that into, yeah, you know, I I live around here, I live here, and I'm grateful that I can protect myself if I choose to do that. When you look at all of these items combined, you know, it used to be, I mean, you said the words Silicon Valley, right, in IT. Mm-hmm. Well, man, if you made it there, then if you were one of the top minds at Google, uh, if you landed at all these, at any of these tech campuses. And now after COVID, it's like, well, we want to work from home. And we want to, we want a life that doesn't include the cost of government. Uh, this, uh, this abandoning of law and order in our neighborhoods and the wages that, that honestly, you know, uh, while they're good wages, they don't add up because of the cost of living locally. I have, to, I want to go somewhere else. These are not, these are very fundamental ideas. I mean, this is what any species of animal will do. Is there more food over here? By the way, a coyote in my yard this morning when I pulled up. Wow. Yeah. Um, is there more food? Over- They'll migrate to where the food is. It's the way it works. Where is it easier for me to live? Where is it better for me and my family to set up? And a lot of them coming to Texas and and I don't know about Florida, but other states and look at it and say, I didn't realize somebody said it the other day. I didn't realize how diverse Texas was. Oh, well, you can get very liberal in in Austin. You can get very liberal in, in Houston. Yeah, in Dallas. Oh yeah. You did you see did we talk about this? The fastest growing city mm. in the nation? Mm. Fort Worth. Yeah. Yeah. Came out like two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. You know, because there's so much coming here so many jobs now and, now and by the way just kind of a so people know uh, fort worth has a lot of tentacles because <laughs> yeah yeah you you can have you can have fort worth and i think they mean the metro area but you can have yeah. fort worth mm-hmm. then a suburb then fort worth <laughs> yeah very unique in that aspect i haven't right i've yeah. seen that in texas more than anything where right yeah you know, well in fact uh <laughs> like my address comes up and it's actually a suburb, but it will also come up as Dallas. Mm-hmm. But I don't live in the city of Dallas. And you know the but but you look in you look at those those things that attract people. Well, first of all, the jobs, security. Um, you know, and and again, lower cost of living. You saw about property taxes here in Texas now. Yeah, right. Yeah, look, we you want. You want that that going, base. going down, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're dropping and and you, have been the legislature. What did they say? And governor. 
What what is the deduction immediate deduction a hundred thousand? Uh, yeah, the homestead exemption. The 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 homestead exemption. Yeah, hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. What is like fifty now or something? Uh, I I don't know what it is actually. Exactly. But those those are the things that attract people. All right, I'd like to own a house. Is it too expensive to own a house? You know, you have these these things in play right now with the economy. Uh, the the cost of construction is way up because of inflation. You have the cost of financing is way up because inflation requires you to raise interest rates. 40000 Okay. And so you look at, you know, all of these items and, and you have to measure it. And again, we've said it before, but it, it applies here at some point. You can't afford to stay where you are. And and by the way, that's tragic. 86690-RED-EYE. Managing time is key. Successful owner-operators know that simply running hard is not enough. If it were that easy, anyone could do the job and expect the profits to roll in. It generally pays to slow down. There is a trade-off in higher costs, not to mention the increased risk for driving fast. If driving slower takes time away from you, you could find some of the ways to get it back. Never take time off during the last two weeks of the quarter or the last week of the month when freight typically is abundant. Sometimes it works to your advantage to look for loads that take you through home rather than to home. The latter can interrupt your revenue stream and require additional time to get back up to full speed again. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, which which gets me uh, thinking about the next decade uh, in the United States. And we were just talking about the Wall Street Journal editorial piece, which is actually an article because it provides uh, a lot of uh, of interesting statistics about what states are growing and what is not. And and saying that if uh, Biden is saying that the economy is great, where it's great and where it's doing very well is in red states. If Biden is looking at the economy and saying, well, this is really doing uh, well. And why don't people why don't people believe the economy is doing great? Well, it's not in blue states. For the most part. Right. It's doing good in red states. And it's like he's he's not going to admit it. But, boy, I tell you, I'd ask that question. But when you see and there's a headline right there, Texas just puts in the biggest property tax reduction in history. Yeah. Right now, with everything going on, we've got California, New York, budget deficits wanting to raise taxes, and Texas' biggest property tax cut in history.
five hours a night and still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And and, and so I just, you know, I, I mentioned the, the headline, NBC5 here in, in Dallas saying the you know, biggest uh, property tax cut in the history of Texas, which probably would, would amount to the biggest tax cut in Texas history. Mm-hmm. And so you you see that happening here in the state of Texas. We brought you the article that showed that it's the vast majority of red states is what's keeping the good economic numbers up there. When you look at economic growth, it's Texas, it's Florida, it's, you know, places like, you know, uh, uh, you know, North Dakota. It is, it is not the, you know, it is not the liberal experiments. Mm-hmm. It's not California. It's yeah, not New York. Right, right. It's not Illinois. And so on top of all that, you and I talked about California looking now to raise taxes because they have a budget deficit. And then the pressure now that's on, you know, with with reparations that would absolutely bankrupt a state like that with companies moving, with people moving. You know, we've seen this since COVID happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just one. It's it's not just one reason. You know, right, it's right. it's economic. Yeah, economics is probably driving it. But then you have people that look at what happened during COVID. Now that they know the truth, that the vast majority of things that help to stall or in many cases destroy people's lives was not necessary uh, necessary and pushed and pushed and pushed by the most liberal and democratic people out there. Yeah, and I mean, and still today, you see signs of it. You still see it in the news. You know, they made a big deal about uh, a family getting COVID on a cruise ship. And that's going to be, you know, this is the left wants, would love to keep that nonsense going. Not that COVID itself is fake. The reaction to it was so overblown that people look at it and say, we're not doing that again. And I'm not going to be in this shutdown phase that didn't affect people, you know, that it, that that wanted to commit crimes. It didn't affect anybody that wanted to do, you know, what they normally do and, and, and create these dangers in my neighborhood. It didn't affect anybody but me. I was the only one playing by the rules, which, which, by the way, stands for any kind of activity during a shutdown, essentially, of law and order. That's what we had. Over the last few years, we had the shutdown of an economy and the shutdown of law and order. Well, the San Francisco Chronicle had a story in it the other day. A National Review was talking about it. And the San Francisco Chronicle talking about Honduran drug dealers have set up in San Francisco yeah. because... Of the sanctuary city problem. Right. right. So they've decided we're going to run our business out of San Francisco because of sanctuary laws. Right. Honduran drug dealers. I'll just read a couple of paragraphs. Honduran drug dealers have made a business hub out of San Francisco due to the liberal city sanctuary laws for illegal immigration, fueling the nation's fentanyl epidemic 
and a visible decline of a major American city. I was looking on YouTube. Yeah, by the time I've spent a ton on YouTube mm. on, on, on vacation. Uh, probably the most things I, I watched were uh, different um, by, different uh, uh, documentaries on North Korea mm. and mm. Kim Jong-un and what's going on right now and really what's happened since COVID, mm. that you know that they've closed down the society more than ever and people are starving. BBC had a great... Uh, Great uh, uh, documentary on it or program on it uh, from about three weeks ago where they're talking to three specific people. And these people even live in the cities are saying people are coming to people are basically dying on the streets or dying in their apartments because they don't have enough food to eat. I mean, just uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, so been watching that. And and also uh, uh, this uh, was watching one the other day of uh, a guy just going through San Francisco and going through the streets and say, look at it, every store on this side is closed, every single one. Mm-hmm. And then looking at the stores that are open, he said, but this is not the place that it used to be. But it says San Francisco's accommodative approach to illegal immigration makes it appealing to sell drugs there. Honduran dealers told the San Francisco Chronicle as part of an in-depth investigation into how Honduran nationals had come to play a dominant role in the city's drug crisis under the current law. City employees are forbidden from using city resources to cooperate with any ICE investigation, detention, or arrest relating to an illegal immigration case. The law also prohibits ICE from placing holds on local prisoners so they can be deported upon their release from jail. The Honduran, a, excuse me, a Honduran dealer told the Chronicle, again, not a conservative media outlet, that San Francisco is now a hot spot for drug work. Because those illegal immigrants that are caught dealing are less likely to be deported. The reason, quote, the reason is because in San Francisco, it's like you're here in Honduras, another dealer said. The law, because they don't deport, that's the problem. Many look to San Francisco because it's a sanctuary city. You go to jail, you get right out. San Francisco's drug arrests have dropped significantly in recent years, and they go through all the the, uh, the stats, basically saying it's the policy where uh, Honduran drug dealers are now saying San Francisco's the place to be. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's it it was always going to culminate <laughs> with this kind of activity. First of all, with sanctuary cities, when the cartels knew that we're not going to control our border. Well, we can move right in. The cartels are using state parks in California to grow weed. State parks. They're not even trying to hide it on private land. They're operating inside the U.S. at will. And all of these, you know, the the call for defunding the police... Before defunding the police, we have to remember, it was defund ICE. Abolish oh, yes. ICE. Abolish ICE, right. <clears throat> and Abolish. you you have all of this that, that is bound to set up. It was always going to culminate in a much greater level of crime in all these major cities where they have these policies. Uh, by the way, how far did Mayor Adams get? And appealing to the courts, please end sanctuary policy. Didn't in New York. I didn't see. I didn't see the story. Where there is, and 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 this is what it comes down to. 
you have to in order to 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 bring about real change you have to change leadership the local leaders are going to have to go in and change this policy and they're going to have to enforce the law now ask me if i expect that to happen you're not going to see this massive swing toward a, a more conservative city council in san francisco or in or in uh la you know we we saw yeah. that they're back to uh you know the no bail right uh, again so you look at that and it's like they don't plan on changing at no. all no and so you look at that story from the the wall street journal and you say where are we going to be in nine or uh, you know in in 10 to 20 years uh in this country what is that population shift going to be like i mean there's i i saw one um Again, it was on uh, YouTube, one documentary. And again, it's projecting out, mm-hmm. saying the next 10 to 15 years, Texas will be the number one state population. Yeah. That the growth is reversing like you can't believe, you know, the the growth of, of uh, California as opposed to uh, Texas. And Texas has so much room. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's got, I mean, just so much room to grow where you look at, you know, if we became a state of 40 million, you know, you may have, you know, you may have, for example, Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, has ex- we will have expanded a lot. Uh, but the fact is, you know, you look at water, I mean, that may be a concern. It hasn't been a concern with the growth rate we've had over the last 30. Well, it's always a concern, but they've been able to provide enough water mm-hmm. here in, in, in Texas. But... You know, you you look at how the liberal cities aren't changing. The liberal states aren't changing. They're doubling down on everything. Mm -hmm. Now that there's pushback, they're saying they're like getting stubborn and saying, nope, we're just going to do more insanity. We'll destroy you. (laughs) We're getting this pressure. You red states are doing that. We're going to double down on things that will absolutely (laughs) be suicide for our state. Yeah. And so people are going to recognize it and they're going to they're going to move. And now when you've seen the number of companies that are willing to move and then you see that headline, you know, Texas, biggest property tax cut in history. Mm-hmm. California wants to raise taxes. New York wants to raise taxes. Illinois wants to raise taxes. They don't care about crime in the streets. They don't care about gangs setting up. You know, their enterprises, their illegal enterprises in their city. In fact, they're doing it because you're inviting them in to commit crimes. People aren't going to stay. Companies aren't going to stay. And there seems to be no willingness to change. And then coming up, we'll bring you some of the other stories uh, that that are uh, out there. This is the U.K. Climate Envoy calls rapid green transition idiotic in meetings with John Kerry. You know, we've talked about energy and what they wish to do in energy, which is absolutely uh, suicidal. This headline, Kerry, from John Kerry, the fiduciary responsibility of money managers not to lose money is hurting the climate transition investment. Yeah. You you had the the other story that we'll get to also. How dare they do their job? (laughs) That's right. These companies want to make money. Well, we, the government, want them to lose money, and that's how we're going to run a successful economy. Yes. You have it here, the United Auto Workers going after Joe Biden's so-called green energy agenda for its wage-cutting outcomes. 
that the government is subsidizing the production of electric vehicles, but still with the government subsidizing, they can't make any money making electric vehicles. So they have to subsidize that with gasoline vehicles, which are which are now much more expensive than they would be without the EVs. And so what are they doing? They're cutting union jobs, as we have seen. And so they're saying, okay, we're cutting union jobs. Oop, we're going to lower the money that you make as a union. And the union is panicking. Now the union's saying, we want to build the best EVs in America, but we want to be compensated. Well, sorry, you can't be compensated if your company is on the direction to not make a profit. <laughs> it doesn't work that. And, and so they're angry. The union leadership still has it wrong. Right. But they're complaining, saying, well, this is hurting the worker. The worker's getting killed by this. Well, what the hell do you think happens when the government comes in and says, you must make these vehicles? We'll subsidize some of it. But the average consumer can't afford to buy your product. You're not going to be able to sell your product. You can't make a profit. And the unions are going, what the hell? This means this is our inevitable destruction. Duh! It's like the West Virginia Coal Miners Union in yeah. 2008 all over again. I mean, I, we go And the UAW we, is so huge. I mean, how did you not see this coming for years? I know. And I, maybe that's being on vacation. Maybe you just hear this <laughs> frustration, anger, just the, as I like to call it, the perverse sense of awe in the stupidity. Yeah. Don't you think, don't don't think that the United States can't lead the world in stupidity because we do every day, especially with the Democratic Party. And people begging for more pain from the Democrats. Right. Listen, we're not getting it done. Double down. Double down. You haven't killed the unions altogether yet. Keep trying. <laughs> Try harder. We'll get to all those stories coming up in more detail. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Sarah Carly, and I'm Kerry McNamara. Yeah, I just uh, I was I was uh, thinking of when Kerry was Secretary of State during Obama. Remember that with yeah. Code Pink? Yeah, when he was talking about why we need to fight ISIS. <laughs> ISIS doesn't provide health care. He actually <laughs> used that as an argument <laughs> to trying to appease to Code Pink. Code Pink. Hey, we need to go to war with ISIS because they don't provide health care. So she. But this this whole thing with him yes, yesterday, well, well, companies, uh, they don't like this transition to green because they can't make any money doing it. And that's the problem that we have. What an idiot. I mean, seriously, what an idiot. They need We're, to lose money in order to save the planet. Right. And they're not willing to do that. What's wrong with them? Um... Nothing wrong with them. You, however, are a moron.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio, 86690-RED-EYE. <laughs> he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Did I say that already? All right, this was, uh, this was on Monday's broadcast of MSNBC. Mm. Uh, Anna Cabrera reports, uh, special presidential envoy for climate, John Kerry stated that the green uh, transition investment has been undercut by the fact that money managers have a fiduciary responsibility and obligation to the people that they manage uh, it for, not to lose money, but to produce returns on that investment. And that pension funds are very careful about those investments in order to make certain that they have money to pay out to the pensioners who work for that money all their lives. He also said that he's urged those who manage large amounts of money that they've have to they've got to help us create the structure to spend on climate. Uh, Kerry said that President Joe Biden and King Charles were briefed. What a my God, King Charles! What King, King oh, Charles? I asked him, "Are you ready for the briefing?" And he says, <laughs> "Yes, I'm all ears." <laughs> we're briefed on the way. Trillions of dollars could begin uh, to be deployed into the private sector to accelerate this transition. Uh, Well, the only way you can do that is use government money. He's basically admitted we can't get the private sector anymore to commit to invest trillions of dollars to lose money. That, that, That people are adverse that have money to put it into something that will be guaranteed to lose money. And we need to do something about that. We need to encourage them to do that. How? Well, there's no way to do that. There is no way to do it. I mean, this is the idiocy that we're dealing with. And this is, again, when you, and it's very important for people to understand that we're not just saying it. Carrie's saying the exact same thing, but in different words than we are. The Democrats and the left believe that the way to a successful economy is to take your taxpayer dollars to put it into industries that can't make money and can't make a profit. (laughs) That's how they view an economy as being successful. Mm -hmm. And they know they can't do it with the private sector. So the only way to do it is to take your tax dollars to do it. Yeah. Then, then you have the UAW. UAW is going after uh, Biden uh, and the so-called green energy agenda for its wage-cutting outcomes while showering billions in American taxpayer money on the three largest automakers in the nation. Hmm. Part of Biden's Inflation Reduction Act passed last year. Automakers are set to enjoy a massive windfall via tax credits for electric vehicles made in the United States, Canada, And Mexico. UAW President Sean Fain, as well as the union's members in Lordstown, Ohio, are sounding the alarm 
on severe cuts to auto workers' wages as a result of the Biden administration push to steer automobiles towards EVs, enticing them with federal subsidies. There have been clear winners and losers, and the same people who've always won, the corporate elite and the billionaire class, seem to think that they can keep calling the shot, Fain said in a video produced by the UAW. Our defining moment, this is a tweet from the UAW, our defining moment, a new industry is being born, new standards are being set. It's not just about Lordstown. Everywhere our message of this uh, is the same. Our country deserves good, safe, living wage union jobs. It's time to build an EV industry that puts workers first. Hmm. Well, sorry, Mr. Fain, but you're an idiot. I mean, look, I, I hate name-calling, but things are so damn stupid, Eric. I don't know what else to do. Well, if I mean, if you can't see the writing on the wall years ahead of this, and yet you insist on shoving all of your dues into the blue corner, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Go talk to the... Are they still around? West Virginia Coal Miners Union? <laughs> I don't know who they represent if they are around. Go ask them how that worked out for them when they endorsed Obama in 2008 after he had said he was going to kill their industry. Look, your union, your work, like like I have to explain it to them. But I feel like I do. Because it's so your, your members, I don't know if you can see it from your office, but the members of your union are busy building profitable cars that run on gasoline. The president and his party want that to be illegal. Now discuss. Yes. I, I don't know uh, if I... Okay, I guess I have to go further. And, and 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 now they're forcing these companies to build these cars using your members, and those cars are losing money for the companies. And I'm sorry, what was the question? I'm Forrest Gump. Let me explain things to Mr. Fain if he doesn't understand it. We want to yeah. be working. <laughs> Driving. What's your what's your because remember, we need to be part of the E V. Yeah. To be part of the EVs to to make a to make a profit. Yeah. The EVs have to become self sufficient on their own. Yes. The average consumer can't afford a regular car right now because of inflation and because the making the gasoline trucks and gasoline vehicles are also subsidizing the cost of EVs. Look at Ford's last statement and how much yeah. they've lost on EVs yeah. just in the last year and just in the first quarter of this year. Can't make money doing it. So either Mr. Fain is a complete idiot who ought to be fired from his position immediately as a union head or he simply cares more about the Democrats. He cares more about the Democrats and he does his own union workers. Yeah. Because what Mr. Fain is saying is 
You're not going to be you the the average. You know, I thought it was interesting yesterday when I when you and I saw it, and I, I thought about it more that the average the average American believes that they you know what salary they would be comfortable with would be two hundred and thirty three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Think about that as compared to even five or six years ago, nobody would have approached that number. Yeah, right. And you just see, and it's blacks is over three hundred thousand mm. is what they believe they would need to live comfortably mm. when you go through different demographics. So you look at that; it shows you how far off and how insane the left is believing that the remember the average household. This is household, not individual, is seventy one thousand. Yeah, and so you're talking about electric vehicles that are going to cost. And by the way, they cost you one way or another to taxes or whatever. But the fact is, the average cost of an American vehicle is forty-eight thousand. Mm-hmm. Average cost of a vehicle that puts gasoline in there. Right now, most Americans say, "I can't afford that." Right. And so, what they're doing is they're building more and more expensive electric vehicles. They can't make a profit on them. It's out of the reach of the average consumer. What was the whole thing about Henry Ford? Henry Ford wanted to produce. What automobiles that the average person can buy? That was the whole idea behind mass production. Yeah. There's a whole idea. Produce them cheap to do it. Yep. And so the UAW head is saying, well, okay, uh, what we need to do is, what we need to make more money, labor costs need to go up in the building of electric vehicles that nobody wants to buy and you can't make a profit on them. Yeah. Does any union member believe that that is... The path to success for the UAW as a union? Right. Or is it suicide? UAW, you're being led by idiots or liars or both. Your your dues are going to support a party who is and has been for years now against production. They're against manufacturing. They're against profits. John Kerry has said it out loud. (laughs) I don't know what else you need. I can't go on vacation again. I I come back and it's like, well, ah! I feel like next time I just need to get in my truck and drive around explaining things. Yeah. That shouldn't need any explanation. It's time to put an EV industry that puts workers first. What a load of horse manure. Workers first? Democratic Party wants manufacturing workers gone. Are you kidding me? Yeah. um, And, you know, keep working hard as long as you can to make sure that part of that pay goes to support the demise of your industry and your career. And it's important to remember that the leading candidate for the Republican Party right now for president of the United States promoted the EVs at the now bankrupt and closed Lordstown plant Mm -hmm. and is out there promoting like crazy subsidies for ethanol. Yeah, you can't get there. Trump on those topics is as liberal as you can get. And you can't get a profit by doing that. Nope. You can't. You're it's you're I guess just mark the uh the calendar and by the way that includes any pensions. 
Oh, yeah. Where do you think your pensions are going to be yeah. funded Yeah. if your industry is gone? Right. Your leadership, UAW, if you're a UAW member, is leading you right down the toilet. Because the truth is they want control of the manufacturing. They would love to nationalize energy and manufacturing. They want to control the means of production. And if you think your union has any power at that point, you're delusional. Yeah, it's over. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Friday Radio, he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. I'm just reading here the headline about uh, the UAWs, uh, you know, upset at uh, at uh, Biden. Lunch bucket Joe no more. <laughs> the first thing he did was kill tens of thousands of union jobs with the pipeline. Haven't you learned to code yet? Yeah. Oh, and in this uh, the story, they, they talk about the once the Lordstown plant, uh, you know, went... Let me just get it here. It says, um, in particular, fame points to GM's closure of its manufacturing plant in Lordstown only a few years ago, which saw thousands laid off, a devastating blow to a small Ohio community. I think it was like an economic crash almost. I mean, everybody here was GM, uh, said the uh, UAW local head. My kids went to Lordstown schools, so a lot of their friends moved away. It took a hometown community and separated it. Since then, GM has partnered with LG to open up Ultium Cells, an EV battery plant that the automaker promised would bring high-paying green energy jobs. Residents were pitched on the new facility, bringing good-paying green jobs back to Lordstown. Fain said what Lordstown found was a far cry from what was promised. Dave Delick, UAW Local uh, 1112, said the Lordstown community thought the new EV battery plant would be the next wave of manufacturing jobs but said since the plant opened, it hasn't been good yet. According to Fane, former Lordstown Assembly employees made up to $30 an hour at Ultium Cells. Employees are earning $16.50 an hour, with hourly earnings increasing to $20 after seven years. Ultium Cells cut auto wages in half. Well, if you believed it, then you're a fool. Yep. If you believed the BS they threw at you, you cannot increase wages for labor by producing a product that cannot make a profit on its own. I don't know. I, do, I guess we have to start every single liberal on basic economics and basic math. Well, is it that... They've been living in this delusional world for so long they can no longer do the simple math, the simple equation. Did you just think it was going to be handed to you and that everything was going to work out? We're, we're going to save the planet and everybody will have plentiful jobs 
John Kerry just admitted you can't go green and make a profit. You can't save the planet without killing the economy. According to the data analyzed, by the way, we don't believe you're saving the planet. No, we don't. According to the data analyzed by Good Jobs First, many EV plants will receive more than a billion dollars per year from the U.S. government with no requirements to pay good wages to production workers, while annual uh, wages will fall below the national average for workers in the auto industry. GM, LG, they get a kickback from the government, Delic said. This is a local rep. We pay our taxes, so that's our money going into these companies, big billion-dollar companies' pockets. You should be able to pay me a livable wage. I shouldn't be working two jobs. Well, you're an idiot. Where do, where what, do you think what's it's going to come what, from? What you're admitting, I mean, why can't unions, what, what is it? What is it that they can't break through the stupidity wall, these union leaders, to understand that there's a reason your taxpayer dollars are going to subsidize by the billions these companies. They can't make a profit producing it, even with the subsidies. You're not going to get higher wages from a product that can't produce a profit. More robotics. But but our, our tax dollars are going into it. We should be able to get a livable wage when our tax money is going. Idiots. Sorry, idiots. Just idiots. Well, idiots. Look, idiots, idiots, idiots. Is there a chance of, or, or is there, uh, would the left like this to remain union? Yes, except it would be a public union because they want the federal government in charge of the means of production, which means you would then be working for a public union. How do you think that's going to work out for you? It's not. Lower wages, but man, you're going to have a long-term job. It's good to see the unions are finally learning, oh, this new green economy pays half the wages. And it's not sustainable and not just no it's not sustainable. it's not going to work and the more they outlaw behavior and ramp up mandates the faster it would fail and that's exactly what's going to happen hey at least the companies all the companies came out last week and said we can't do continue to do this we can't make it right that was right before we went on vacation so Mm -hmm. it was two weeks ago they said Mm -hmm. that why aren't the unions saying the same thing? We need to produce gas-powered vehicles. Right. How long will union leadership continue to promote to its members economic, energy, and national security suicide? It is um, It's inevitable. There, there's, there's nothing that is obstructing the view here. Nothing. All you have to do is open your eyes and look. Quit living in this delusional world. And we told you this a long, long time ago, and we got flack from unions about it. Hate to say it, because I do hate to say it, because people are losing jobs, but we were right.
call and join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And we we can uh, sort of come to a, well, not a conclusion, because we never come to a conclusion, because everything is always ongoing. But I, I can justify me a couple of minutes ago saying, Idiots, 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 idiots. How can I justify that? Uh, Well, the U.K. climate envoy calls rapid green transition idiotic (laughs) during meetings with John Kerry. So if it's idiotic, what type of people would put forth uh, and promote an idiotic mindset? Idiots! (laughs) British Energy Security... And net zero secretary. (laughs) (laughs) They've actually thrown that as an official title. Net zero. Mm -hmm. The British Energy Security and net zero secretary Grant Shapps blasted calls Monday for a rapid shift from fossil fuels during meetings with U.S. Presidential Envoy for Climate John Kerry. Schaap's remarks came during the U.S.-U.K. Climate Summit, in which both President Biden and King Charles participated. Oh, God. Jeez. Ah! Think about it. Idiots! Prince Charles. Put put King Charles and, and... Oh, King, I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah, whatever he is now. Uh, Biden and John Kerry, all three of them on a stage. The three most useless leaders on the planet. I know. Seriously. Wow. <laughs> John Kerry. King Charles. My my father used to say that uh, people get a title and they feel that they've got an infusion of brains and one does not relate to another. In King Charles' case, <laughs> i got to tell my dad this. You give somebody an imaginary title, and they believe they have an infusion of brains. <laughs> You're a king! John Kerry, special envoy. Special envoy. He's special, all right. Just Sheriff's remarks came during a U.S.-U.K. climate summit in which both Biden and uh, King Charles participated on Monday morning. Mm. They were made in response to Shell CEO uh, uh, Whale Swan stating last week that the global energy system continues to desperately need oil and gas and that green energy development wasn't advanced enough to allow nations to abandon fossil fuels. There will always be a transition but it doesn't uh, it doesn't just happen overnight in fact it's idiotic to suggest you can shap said per the bbc <laughs> if you try to you simply impoverish people and you help unions get union workers get half the wages mm-hmm. so if you try to you simply impoverish people and tell people they can no longer drive. They can no longer heat their homes. However, Kerry remarked, in, in, however, K- 
Carey, who promoted the idiotic uh, mindset as the idiot that he is, remarked Monday that companies changing their climate commitments is moving in the wrong direction. In an interview with the BBC, he called for accelerating the green transition. So that's our climate czar, or what is he, special envoy. Yeah. While the British energy uh, uh, security and net zero secretary is calling what Kerry believes as idiotic. Justifying my name calling of idiots. And morons. <sighs> it's still not as good as, you know, it's still not as good as trying to convince Code Pink that we need to go to war with ISIS. You know, ISIS doesn't provide health care. Really? Well, they really don't need to because suicide bombers don't need health care, John. Yeah. It's the opposite of health care. Yes. You should have been promoting life insurance. I just uh there is no bigger idiot I, in politics ever. Well and well, okay, there I that that's a broad that that's a probably too broad of a statement, but I'll uh, say it anyway. There isn't as big in modern politics over the last thirty years in this country a bigger idiot and a bigger uh a person in politics that is completely clueless than John Kerry, who is completely unqualified to be on the international stage. He's an idiot. Why? Because he believes in idiotic things, to quote the Energy Secretary of Great Britain. I really wonder what the the people of Great Britain, after going through last winter, remember they were told. That there could be shortages, and also they knew themselves that they may not be able to afford heating. And... Then you get John Kerry shows up. Oh, we've got to ramp it up. We've got to do more of this. We've got to make sure that your heating just doesn't exist at all. We are led by fools, but then fools put them into office. Yep. Tell us where we're wrong on that. Well, I mean... Over and over again, the lessons come down like a hammer. It's the hottest stove you can possibly touch. Yet, we still don't learn. We still act like we're getting burned. Well, there is no thought process at all. My my dad and I were having the discussion yesterday because he lives in New York and the whole natural gas thing talking about going well yeah (laughs) actually getting rid of natural gas in stoves and using it to generate the electricity that will power the stoves with electricity as my father said he goes well from simple from simple physics and chemistry you're heating things twice (laughs) yeah it's like yeah duh Right. Plus the, as we know, the resistance of 
you know, through the electrical wires. But it's like, and as has been brought up, it's much more efficient to use natural gas just in the stoves. But it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as it fits a narrative, nothing has to work. Nothing has to work economically. Nothing has to work scientifically. Nothing has to solve the problem. If your intentions are good, then you're a hero and you're a saint and you should be applauded. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not having the UAW say that these days, are you? As long as you mean well. We're trying to save the planet, and that's all that matters. So remember, the union, the union leadership, the UAW, is not saying we want more of the company's profits. What they're saying is if you're subsidizing the companies with our taxpayer dollars and they're still losing money, well, you need to take those taxpayer dollars and subsidize our living wage. Yeah. Well, that's the only game... Unless they're going to go full public union and and the yeah. federal government's going to take over the means of production. I mean, that's the goal, but it's not going to happen well, tomorrow. let's put it this way. When the federal government owns, what what have you seen in governments overall when it comes, think about this, the when, when the garbage men used to pick up my garbage, mm-hmm. that was the town doing it. Mm-hmm. Tell me a town that picks up their own garbage anymore. No, it's that all has, contract. That has their own that has their own garbage mm-hmm. trucks. Mm-hmm. Everything will everything will be, I don't care who it is. You can sit there and say, well, these communist nations, they had unions. Yeah, and those people really lived in palaces, didn't they? And drove nice yeah, cars. Exactly. Your union will have no power. It'll have no power and it'll have much lower pay. The only the only way you have a chance at a union is if your company is making profits. Yep. And the more profits your company makes, then the more justification for you to strike. And instead of calling on them or unionize, instead of calling on the government to change the policy, they just want more public money to go toward the union pay. Right. That's not going to work. It's the same thing with the unions believing that Starbucks is the the panacea. Yeah, that's it. Right. One of the highest turnover, lowest paying jobs, that's where unions are going to succeed. That's how bad the union leadership has been over the last 40 years in this country. Yeah. Yeah, we can uh, we can build the union through a revolving door. Yeah. They don't even want to survive. No. The union leadership does not want to survive. No, it was. And, and this is what it comes down to. You're just going to be an activist. And. The only game you have now is to call for more taxpayer money to go into your pocket. Right. Because the companies can't make a profit on the EVs. Right. And you know that. You just want more government money. And and there's no way you can stand up and say, and you know this, you can't stand up against the administration and the left and say, we got to stop building these vehicles. We got to start building gasoline vehicles again. Well, you can't do that. So the whole union mission has been turned on its head yeah. since the George Meany days. Yep. Because it's got nothing to do with the companies are making a profit, and we need to share in those profits, and right. the company isn't being fair, and we're making the company record profits. Now it's, 
The government's handing out tons of money to these companies. And we need some. It doesn't matter. They're not making a profit on what they're building. But we're not making enough money, so we need more money from the government to support our workers. That's where the union movement is in the United States today. If you're a union member, you tell me how that leads to anything but your eventual demise. Ain't going to work. You don't need Sean Fain in there. You don't need union leadership. No, you need those companies building gas-powered cars. Yeah, your union leadership right now is useless if they're promoting the fact that we need to share in what? We need to share not in the profits of the company. We need to share the company will be losing money, but we're all for losing money as long as the taxpayer subsidizes us with what we view as living wages. So we're not going to negotiate with the company for a share of the profits because there are no profits. We want money from the taxpayer. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. We're just sitting here shaking our heads. <laughs> yeah. And it really is. It's going on vacation and not paying attention for a couple of days, as I got to do, and then you start paying attention. And it's like, well, that's stupid. That's well, really stupid. Well, that's idiotic. Well, that's moronic. Oh, that's right. I'm just back into where I was last week. But you know, it, going it away just... a couple of days, you're a little bit more shocked. It it uh, it repeats itself over and over again, and we get to the point where, you know, inevitably, something has to give, something has to change. And in the case of the unions, uh, the auto union will go away mm-hmm. because the companies can't make a profit, and the mandates aren't going to go away. Unless we do something about it, and I'm confident we won't. People will will arrive at 2035 in California saying, I'm sorry, what? I can't buy a new gas-powered car? What? I thought that was just something on Twitter. I thought that was a rumor that James Woods started. <laughs> you mean it's real? I can't? You mean it's 2035 and I'm still living in California? I thought these were all conspiracy theories from Jim Caviezel. Yeah. I thought it was QAnon. (laughs) You mean it's real? It's real. (laughs) No, that's that's basically where we are. And... (laughs) Nothing will change until people just decide, oh, wait a minute. We can't do that. I can't afford that.
This is Red Eye Radio on West. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. What? You said white powder in the studio? I just uh, saw some white powder in our... our I'm, it may be coffee creamer, but I'm not going to risk it. <laughs> Does anyone... Here's the thing. Here's the conundrum with that whole thing at the White House. Mm-hmm. How could it not be Hunter's? And also, how could we be led to believe that Hunter would actually ever leave any cocaine behind? So it's not his. So he's he's been exactly. I'm starting to think it's not his. Right, our radio now believes <laughs> we're we're calling it not hunters because you have you have to ask the question. We're, we're calling it early because he never has left cocaine behind. Was was there any left? Yes. Okay, it's not hunters. <laughs> well, then that does relate to the Babylon Bee headline. After discovering cocaine in the White House, Biden promises to fix immigration, inflation, the Ukraine war, student debt, climate change, hotel fees, infrastructure, balance of budget, and redesign the road garden, Rose Garden, excuse me, by 4 a.m. tomorrow morning. (laughs) (laughs) See? That makes more sense. He's got energy. On the days he has energy, you know. Hunter brings over a little something-something to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But it can't be Hunter's because Hunter doesn't leave any behind. Oh, I did not know it until yesterday. What? Uh, when uh, Kaylee McEnany and, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. It used to be the uh, oh other presidential. Ari Fleischer. Yeah. There are no cameras in that section. None. They both no, that makes there. sense. They yeah. said there are no cameras. Yeah, that, that they makes said sense. we hear people say, and well, this story hit last week, and that was that was commonly what you saw. You just assume there were cameras. There would be cameras everywhere. There are no cameras. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that was because Clinton wanted to. No, I'm kidding. Hey, <laughs> hey, don't bring me into this. I did not do that. <laughs> But there are no. I cameras. snorted it, but so I didn't no, like no cameras. It. They said the only you, what you know the, what you do is anybody who was in there, you drug test and you drug test the hair. Not I guess the blood because cocaine will dissipate right, yeah, quicker than like pot will, yeah. So you you do the hair moms and everybody from the staff comes in. They've got buzz cuts, <laughs> but then again, it would be on the follicle closest to the. Scalp. Um, it's harder to get the follicle if you shave your head. I, a, a yeah, person uh, who shall Britney Spears remain nameless told me that. <laughs> That's actually the rumor as to why. Really? She That's shaved a, her head. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I never heard that rumor. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Kaylee Magan, because she worked there, said it has to be staff. 
Ari Fleischer said, well, it could be a family member of somebody in this staff. And you'll and- never find out what Joe Rogan is up to. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. You know, that's such a fashion statement where I see the ads all the time for the razor to shave your head. Yeah. Hmm. The one that works the best for men. I see that constantly on TV. Right. Like, wow, you didn't see that 10 years ago. Hey, the bald look is is in. Yeah, well, it is for some. It works for some people. It doesn't work for everyone. No, it does not. No. Yeah. Yeah, like for me, they'd walk up and go, are, are you okay? <laughs> I can't. Uh, that's one good thing. I have no receding hairline mm-hmm. and no bald spot. So I've had a bald spot since I was like four years old. <laughs> My dad still has... You know, his hair is thinned and it's gray, but he still, he, my dad at 97 doesn't have a receding hairline. Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew a guy that did, boy, he was, we were 20, well, we were 18, 19, 20, and he was already going bald. Oh, no, I had a friend, uh, we were juniors in high school, and he had total male pattern baldness, no hair at all, except for just around his ears and in the back. Yeah, he went bald very early. I mean, it's more of a style these days, though. It really is. I mean, than to it, shave your head. I think so. I mean, or, or it's more accepted. It's more. It, it's all. It's not viewed as. Oh, that guy's bald. It's viewed as more of a fashion statement. Yeah, I just don't put that much into hair. Well, neither do I. I've said this many times. These people are so concerned. But I have all my hair. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't. So it doesn't matter. To I have a bald funny. spot, and I also don't care. It's just not a thing. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't care because I have hair. I don't know what I would think if I didn't have any hair. It probably wouldn't be a thing. Probably, I might think about it for a little bit because nothing else has bothered me in life. So why yeah. would that? <laughs> Actually, I wish my my face would be the bald spot. I'm tired of shaving. Well, that's one. That's really interesting because, for example, when people look at me and say, "You've got a five o'clock shadow," normally it's a five day shadow. Okay, I just am not a hairy guy. For me, on vacation, I didn't shave the entire week. Wow! And my beard was full. Oh no! I I would yeah. I would have looked like I had a Maybe a maybe a nine o'clock p.m. shadow. Yeah, a little bit no, later for most if, people. If I shave a couple hours before the show at midnight, I have a midnight shadow. I mean, it just my beard grows fast. Wow. Yeah. And I can't do it. I have to do full razor. I can't do. I've oh, got to. Really? I've got to use a razor. Mine is about three days. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. I don't shave every day. I because I would just it would be I would go through razors so fast. My beard's way too thin. Really? Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I can't. I can't. Yeah, I use, I use an electric, and and it's yeah. uh, you know, got the uh, the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer floating heads. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody. I don't know if that relates. You know the to, reference, the Noralco uh, yes. commercial. Yes, with uh, Burl Ives. Exactly. That's, and thank the, you. You knew the reference. Yeah, the, yeah. the snowman. It, it was a. It was an iconic Christmas time commercial, TV commercial. Yeah, and he was. He was riding the Norelco, wasn't he? I believe the snowman? so, yeah. I think the snowman was. For yeah. them to have done that back then, to have done the animation back then was kind of a big deal. Yeah, it was. And the snowman is no relation to the White House story. No, different kind of snow. <laughs> and again, we have to reiterate, leave your blow at the door. No, I've come to the conclusion this morning that it can't be hunters <laughs> because there were some left. <laughs> it can't possibly be hits. Speaking of the other headline, right next to that headline I read from the Babylon Bee, Hollywood confused by new movie that depicts child sex trafficking as bad. I mean, that was the feel yesterday. <laughs> we talked about it earlier, but that was actually the feel that <clears throat> they were... It, they didn't know how to compartmentalize the success of the movie, but also just the theme of the movie. Yeah. Did you see where um, uh, a couple of liberals yesterday were also going off on the, the fact that people were buying tickets so other people could see it for free? Yeah. And liberals were going, well, they see, that's not actually earning the movie. If there's interest in the movie, you'll see it long term. It doesn't actually just happen in just one weekend. And that groups are getting special discounts. Yeah. Right. And your point is? I know. I mean, I, where where are you going with it? Why, just sit well, down and cry. Well, Get I, it over with. I have to say, you know, and you and I went into more detail about our view on it uh, earlier. But just... Seeing the response of the left to that movie, I forgot the name of it now. The Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom, yeah. I always try to always wonder how do they think and how do they get to their points and, you know, how do they come against something? And that, frankly, that one confused me. I'm like, this is what you're going to attack? Yeah. Well, yeah, right. they're exaggerating. The seriousness of child trafficking. You really? really? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the hill you're going to die on here. No, I mean, I mean that's, it's a, it's that's a, where it's they a are. movie. Well, it's not a hundred percent true. It may be based on a true story, but everything in that movie didn't actually happen. Well, yeah, we've come to know that. Yeah, that we have seen things that are based on a true story. That that uh, that basically, well. Uh, it took place in uh, 1920, other than that. <laughs> right. The year was right. There was a person that name, but the story never happened, but it was based on the date and that person. I actually saw somebody. It was, when was it, a couple of years ago when they did the whole Spider-Man multiverse thing and everybody and anybody who's ever played Spider-Man or auditioned and didn't get the part or thought about playing Spider-Man was in the movie, and somebody actually tweeted something out. 
I don't buy Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man anymore. And I thought, do you understand? <laughs> do you understand what? Okay, I, I don't have enough energy. I, I just don't have enough energy. The things that bother people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put that under that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, you know. I guess when you live in a delusional world, the, the harsh realities come along and wake you up. And, and it's like somebody waking you up in the middle of a dream. Ever had that happen? Where you're yeah. just like, whoa, whoa. And you're just, I mean, you're out of it. You're trying to figure out what just happened. Mm-hmm. And that, it seems like so many on the left, as, as they get hard, hit hard with these realities that, and and I think it was Tim Pool the other day that tweeted, that the first 45 minutes of The Sound of Freedom were just, it's brutal. And there weren't many dry eyes in the house when he went to see it in the theater. And those realities are the, are the types of realities sometimes that are required for society to stand up and do something that should have been done a long time ago looking away from the problem, looking away and living in our delusional world and pretending that the harsh realities don't exist only means a harsher wake-up call later. And the more we ignore the reality of, of this, the more that we take ownership in the atrocities that movies like The Sound of Freedom depict. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know why when something is viewed as religious based, there's such a yeah. wanting to attack it instead yeah. of just yeah. leaving it alone. Right. Because you come off looking petty and stupid mm-hmm. and probably drive a lot more interest in the movie. Yeah. But I think it's more than anything it comes off as petty and stupid and that was the thing uh, you know just like you know when you and i've talked about the radical transgender activist movement and child mutilation where a child should get to, de- to decide and the parents should be kept out of it and the doctor should be kept out of it we're like what are you insane you know where, where yeah. do you come up with that that's the hill you want to die on you know it's, it's I, and I think DeSantis said it about disney about the whole thing about teaching you know <laughs> sexually you know, sexual content to five-year-olds. Who the hell thinks that? And who stands behind that? And who tries to, you know, twist and turn and create propaganda that somehow that's the proper thing to do, that children have rights to sexually explicit materials from perverted adults. Right. And that you're infringing on their First Amendment rights. Right, exactly. Or someone else's First Amendment rights to feed that garbage to them. Right. Who, Who does that? And so... Maybe I shouldn't be as surprised, but I just like, this is what you're going to hit? Uh, you know, it's like, okay. Well, I don't know where, I don't know where the win, where they think the win is. Except for the fact that when we talk about states like California, uh, considering the idea of having the state take custody of your children if you yeah. don't go along with their wishes. <laughs> right. And indoctrination, if you can't get it done because adolescents ask a lot of questions 
a, a lot of questions, and they also um, are rebellious by nature. And so if you can't get indoctrination done at that age, then you have to go younger. You have to do it from the very beginning, and that's that's the game. That's the goal is that indoctrination, we have to control their minds for as long as possible so that we can change their reality. And you and I, um, I compared it one day to uh, the movie The Village. If those families had moved their adolescent kids to the village from the real world, the adolescents would have said, are you crazy? <laughs> but if you raise them right. from from the beginning right. inside that world, it's the only world they know, and that's indoctrination. We have to start mm-hmm. from the beginning, and that's where I believe they're headed. Eight six six ninety red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Roadside inspections all begin with the driver interview during which the officer will gather basic information from the driver and prepare the driver for the inspection. The officer will also be evaluating the driver, determining if the driver can speak English, is under the influence of anything, has an illness, or is fatigued. The officer will ask the driver for required documents, including vehicle and driver credentials, the driver's log, and shipment paperwork. The officer may also conduct a vehicle inspection. Before beginning the inspection, the officer will take steps to make sure the inspection can be done safely. These include chalking the wheels, wearing personal protective equipment, and explaining what will be required of the driver. The driver needs to pay close attention to these instructions so that the vehicle inspection can be conducted in a manner that is safe for the inspection official. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, I've always liked uh, uh, Jim Caviezel's acting, though. I mean, of course, a passion yeah. of the Christ. But then uh, he was in the the movie, the Bobby Jones story, a golf mm. movie. Mm-hmm. I loved him in that movie. I think he was he was just great uh, in in that movie. And then what was the one he did with Sylvester Stallone, where he was the evil guy, and that took some getting used to because he was really evil. Mm-hmm. Escape Plan, that's what it was, mm. where Sylvester Stallone was put into a prison to see if he could you know get out or whatever i forgot Mm. what the whole thing was but Mm -hmm. uh and uh the warden of the prison was jim caviezel and he was evil (laughs) i mean he was and i first was uncomfortable by the end of it i'm like he's really evil i bought into the character by the end Mm -hmm. and then they blew him up yeah it was like good glad he's gone the character not jim caviezel (laughs) yeah but it was interesting that he took that role yeah he's talked about that before uh, he talks about storylines having redemption and characters that have redemption, even if he's not playing that character. So the redeeming qualities of a movie he's mentioned before in interviews.
You're a threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, sometimes there's something happens, and and I know just for me, I'll I'll see it, and I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I there's just so many stories out there that you pick and choose, mm-hmm. and so the whole story about Maureen Dowd from the New York Times writing about uh, uh, Biden not acknowledging his granddaughter. You know, I just went, well, it's Maureen Dowd, whatever. And I just, I didn't read the story. You know, I knew that it existed. Mm-hmm. And then I saw yesterday, CNN's Dana Bash, Biden shunning his seventh grandchild is disturbing on so many levels. This is a story that is sad and disturbing on so many levels. Uh, yes, it's a, uh, it is it is political for a couple of reasons. Number one, yes, Republicans are using it and are going to take advantage of it in a way that is unfortunate and inappropriate. Wait a minute. They're saying what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the reason they're doing it is because uh, uh, it, that is because and able to do that is because of the brand and the kind of person that we all know and believe Joe Biden to be because it's who he says he is. Uh-huh. Okay, and it's somebody who is a family man. That's what we see of him all the time. Okay. And then you have on the View. They really didn't want to talk about it. Well, it's private, it's personal, everything else. And uh, uh, Alyssa Farrah Griffin, uh, former Trump aide, said, "Well, if it was Trump, you'd be talking about it." Yeah, <laughs> but I. So I decided when I saw all this, I said, "Okay, seems like people on the left are, you know, they're recognizing it. Some are just ignoring it." read parts of the let me read the article from you know from her all right and it's actually it was actually really great it says it's seven grandkids mr president now part of this is just bogus where she says even she writes starts off by saying even my republican sister her actual sister maureen dowd who's a liberal is not immune to joe biden's irish charm she met him at a uh, at a media holiday parties uh, at media holiday parties over the years and was so impressed that she got seduced to the other side for some time, voting for the Obama-Biden ticket in 2008 and writing in Biden's name for president in 2012. She sent out a Christmas card one year with her picture uh, of herself cheek-to-cheek with Biden, and some of her Republican friends stopped speaking to her. She's not a Republican. Uh, So I was surprised recently when I discovered my sister writing a letter to President Biden, a plea that she had started in the middle of the night after mulling over the matter for quite a while. Quote, this is what her sister wrote in the letter. I watched as you told the nation that you had six grandchildren and you loved each one of them, she wrote. I believe that. What I cannot believe and what I find unconscionable is that you refuse to admit or accept the fact that there is a beautiful little four-year-old girl living in Arkansas by the name of Navy Joan, who is your seventh grandchild. Peggy wrote about Hunter's high-priced lawyers going down to Arkansas to make sure that she could not use the Biden name and to slash child support payments. She has the Biden blood running through her veins, and all she is going to have as a reminder of this are some of Hunter's original paintings. Sounds like a lousy trade-off if you ask me, Peggy wrote. This is her sister referring to the agreement that assigned some of Hunter's artwork to the daughter he has never met, even though the DNA testing in 2019 established that he is the father. In his 2021 memoir, Hunter wrote dismissively about Navy's mother, 
whom he met while he was spiraling into addiction and going to Washington strip clubs. He wrote that the women he had sexual encounters with during his drug rampages were hardly the dating type. I think they should look at themselves. Uh, He had no recollection of our encounter. I had no recollection of our encounter, he said of Roberts. Yet he put her on the payroll of his consulting firm as a personal assistant while she was pregnant. About three months after Navy was born, Hunter took away Roberts' company health insurance. Uh, As she grows up, knowing that her father and paternal grandparents wanted nothing to do with her, she will probably be able to see a video or two showing her half-sister Naomi getting married on the South Lawn and you watching the fireworks on the balcony with little Bo. And if she misses that, there will be plenty of schoolmates to remind her that she wasn't wanted. Kids can be mean that way. She asked why Hunter couldn't ask like Tom Brady, who treats his son by the actress that he was dating before he married Giselle, the same as two children he and his ex-wife had, not to mention Arnold Schwarzenegger, who says in a Netflix documentary that he has a great relationship with the son that he had after the affair with the family's housekeeper that broke up his marriage. Mr. President, many years ago, you lost your daughter in a horrendous car accident. I know you still carry the pain with you every day because I've watched your face when you speak about her. Please do not throw away your granddaughter. Then Maureen Dowd writes, My sister and I often disagree about politics, but this is not a political issue to us. It's a human one. Joe Biden's mantra has always been the absolute most important thing. And it's a quote from Biden. The absolute most important thing is your family. It is a heart of his political narrative. Empathy born of family tragedies has been his stock and trade, callously scarring Navy's life just as it gets started undercuts that. As Kate Rogers, a, a New York Times White House correspondent, wrote in a haunting front uh, page piece last weekend about Hunter's unwanted child, Biden is so sensitive that only the president's most senior advisors talk to him about his son. Rogers said that in strategy meetings in recent years, Aides have been told that Bidens have six, not seven grandchildren. Jill Biden dedicated her 2020 children's book to the six grandchildren. What the Navy story reveals is how dated and inauthentic the 80-year-old president's view of family is. Once you could get away with using terms like out of wedlock and pretend the child born, children born outside of marriage didn't exist or were somehow shameful. But now we've become vastly more accepting of non-traditional families. We live in an, uh, we live in an Ancestry.com world where people are searching out their birth parents and trying to find relatives they didn't know that they had. I have sympathy for Hunter going into a dark, bleak hole. As he called it, I have sympathy for a father coping with his son who is out of control, who may be still fragile with Hunter. His father can seem paralyzed about the right thing to do. But the president can't defend Hunter on all his other messes and should draw the line at accepting one little girl. You can't punish her for something she had no choice about. The Biden should embrace the life Hunter brought into the world, even if he didn't consider her mother the dating type. The president's cold shoulder and heart is counter to every message he has sent for decades 
and it's out of sync with the America he wants to continue to lead. That's Maureen Dowd. You can't get more mm-hmm. liberal than her mm-hmm. in the New York Times. You know, I, it's um, I'll I'll never forget when uh, you know I've talked about my nephew a lot, and and his father was never around in his life at all. He's never around, and um, I remember taking him. We were driving to his school for a basketball game, so I'm guessing he may may have been about nine years old. Nine or ten, maybe. It was elementary school, and you know, and I never met his. I never met his father. I didn't know his father, so. But I'm driving him there, and it's one of the weekends where he was staying with me. And he looked at me and he said, "Why didn't my father love me enough to stay?" Mm-hmm. Those are tough moments. Yeah, you know, they come out of the blue, but. When he said it to me, I went, oh, my God, he's thinking that all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, you don't realize the damage. And then at times in his life, his father has, you know, I, what I would call tease that he was going to be back in his life, then didn't come back. That does damage to people. Yeah, I've seen it happen yeah. repeatedly. It, it does. It, it it does damage. And and. Um, when you see a child say that to you. It is the most heartbreaking thing. It was probably when I think about, you know, my entire life, one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever went through. That moment is burned in my memory. Mm-hmm. Sure. When he asked that question. Sure. You don't have an answer. No. I didn't have, I don't, didn't have an answer except, uh, as I've always, you know, uh, told him, I've, you know, I've said, look, you can't, you know, some people, I, and I, Look, I never met him. I don't know him. I don't know what he's about. All mm-hmm. I can tell you is mm-hmm. I'm here for you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm here. You're with me all the time. I want you in my life. Uh, you know, you've got a grandfather, you know, my dad, who was there for you. Uh, you know, who's, you know, and I said, there's nothing I can say because I don't know why he did it. All I can say is in life, you really have to focus on what you have and the people that care about you and not the people that don't. Other than that, you don't know what to say. And you know that doesn't that it that doesn't satisfy it never that is an answer. It's was the best answer I could give at the time and it's an answer I would still give today. But it doesn't stop that hurt. It never answers that question. And they, it stays with you. In in my experience the best thing you can do is is just repeat and demonstrate how many people are in their lives that love them right and you also have to uh, demonstrate that they can rely on those people and should rely on those people and having an adopted child um there were moments like that uh there maybe not that exact reckoning uh she's special needs she's an adult now she'll be she'll be 27 in September wow. <laughs> wow and uh i always say we adopted her but really she adopted us and she's such a joy 
and has been such a blessing. But, and, and her original home was so, it, it was just, it was just, it was horrific. It was the, all of the bad things you can possibly mm-hmm. imagine. And with her two younger siblings, uh, the same. And you just have to demonstrate every single day that they're surrounded by people who love them. And those moments will come up uh, in, in, in our case, uh, they call it anniversaries, and it can be a number of things. It, it can be a birthday. It can be uh, the end of a school year, which it was. Um, it was, you know, it could be a number of things. It can be a holiday. It can be a number of things that come up that, that uh, trigger certain things. And that will be with them. One of the real tragedies is that you have too many people that have children and should be responsible for those children and should do the right thing and love them and care for those lives and value those lives all along the way. They seem to treat them like like goldfish, like things you can just, you know, something mm-hmm. you don't have to care for like a child. You don't have to put the kind of thought into it. And it's sad. The good news is, is that if you're in that situation and and that child is surrounded by people that love them, you demonstrate that every single day and and you tell them every day and and you also empower them. You empower them by showing them what they're capable of. And that's where I think it's really gone the furthest for us well with uh with the hunter biden situation i mean she's abs- i hate to say this but i agree with maureen dowd <laughs> that yeah. doesn't happen uh too often the the uh grandparents at that point should have said no we recognize her as one of our granddaughters yes she's your son mm-hmm. you can't abandon her yeah yeah she's and we're daughter. her grandparents yeah. yeah and they didn't do that right and that's wrong right that's immoral it is and everyone knows it yep Eight six six ninety red eye Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Carlin, and I'm Gary McNamara. The thing about the Biden family is they know they're wrong. That's why nobody will comment on it. Mm-hmm. If you know you're right on something, you'll comment on it. Sure. But it, the fact is, it's the family together that has made this decision. Think about what that meeting was like, that get-together. Mm. Let's all make the conscious decision to ignore that Hunter has another daughter, that we only have six granddaughters, we will leave her out. They had to come to an agreement on yeah. that. Yeah. Because they're all behind it. Yeah. That's so bad. Oh, it's who they so are as a family. Bad. Yep.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker, although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.